that was the point I reached out and I was like, I need somebody to hold me up right now because I've been holding me up and I've been holding everybody up. And that was really brave for somebody who's used to being the one to hold everybody up and hold it together and even be funny, to allow myself to, to feel all those emotions and actually break down and say, I need somebody to help me get through the next 10, 15 minutes. Welcome to the Spirit Change Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Garman. Oh my goodness, Diana Dibble is in the room. Let me just tell you, first of all, Diana is hilarious. Like you, her personality will definitely show up. So be prepared to laugh, everyone. Um, but Diana is this uh, dynamic business owner. She has multiple multiple businesses and they are all excelling. She is a nationally recognized business owner and she has just been in the business community for such a uh, a long period of time. I won't give it away, but for such a long period of time and she is just killing the game. Diana, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Spare Change Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Plus, it's great to be able to hang out with you for a while. So that's a win-win. Win-win, great minds in the room. So Diana, I always kick us off with um, what is the one word that you would use to describe you and why? Well, I'm a warrior. Okay. I am a warrior and and not not the Viola Davis kind of, you know, because she's an, that's an exceptional warrior, but there are things that have been thrown at me and I will bob and weave or whatever, but I am going to keep moving forward. So whatever you're going to throw at me, I'm going to figure out a solution. And on the days I don't figure out a solution, I'm just going to keep plugging along. But I am a warrior. And I have the jewelry bracelet that says warrior on it. I love it. So, yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive right into it. When you think about um, your spare change moment, I always let people know what spare change, what that spare change moment means for those who might just be coming into our podcast. But the spare change moment is a moment in time. It was probably one of the most difficult seasons of your life. Um, you didn't quite understand how it was positioning you. Uh, but once you've gotten through that difficult season, you look back and you see how it has really catapulted you to where you are today. So Diana, what is your spare change moment? Well, I would say that the day that I got the call that I had two brain tumors. Mm. And, and it's funny because it's it seems like, why would that be a spare change moment? Like how how is that a spare change moment? Well, for two reasons. One, it was the culmination or the birthing of what I had been working with on one of my business for several decades, which was building the um, operational foundation of it to make it a strong company. And by doing that, it, the company was able to survive me being out for what ended up being about six and a half months. But it was also a spare change moment because uh, one of my companies, Tripod Coaching and Consulting LLC, was something that I had been thinking about doing for years. I am the person that people call for the, you know, and I'm gonna say it, the oh shit moments. Oh shit. And these are like really big 
operational kind of questions and people are like, this is the go-to person. And I had been talking about starting a business around it for years and years, but I never quite got around to it because I was busy with other things and, you know, life gets away from us. But having these two brain tumors, you know, they were like, you literally came out of surgery saying something good has to come from this. And that was the catalyst that led me to open this business in August of 2022, what, eight months, nine months, not even nine months after I had brain surgery. So that spare change moment of being diagnosed made me understand that I had been literally preparing my company for this moment without realizing it, but also getting to the point of saying, look, people don't plan for the what if. What if I grow? What if I want to expand to another state? What if I want to hire people? But then they have the other what ifs that you don't think about. What if I get diagnosed with a brain, brain tumor or two of them and I have to have surgery? Or what if I have a chronic illness? Or what if I have to be a caregiver? So I literally came out of surgery saying something good has to come of this. And it pushed me to finally give birth to this company that I've wanted to, to start for years. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's like a, a, it's, it's almost like it was the midpoint, like, but, um, but that was the, that was the real big thing saying you need to do something. Cause you know, like we've been talking, we don't get expiration dates on the bottom of our feet. So we don't know how much time we have. So the, the, the thing is, is what are we going to do with this time? And I really want to help business owners, particularly small businesses and women-owned businesses to understand that you need to have a, a foundation in your company, a strong foundation. So you have a solid company that allows you to plan for the what if. And that's the message that I've been getting out since that, that pivotal moment of, so guess what's happening in three weeks? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it all happens so fast. Once you're once you're diagnosed, like that diagnosis almost takes over your entire life if you allow it to. And what I love most about your story, Diana, is that in that moment, in that defining moment, that spare change moment where you had the you had a decision to make, right? Um you were either going to allow this to consume you. Or you said, no, I can birth something new. And I love that part of it. And when you think back in that season of your life, like really what was what was kind of that defining moment for you to say, nah, I'm not going to waddle. I'm going to do something with this. Well, first of all, operations people, we are, we are solution-driven people. Like you give us a problem, we're going to give you a solution. That's just how we work. We do risk management, we do HR, we do all sorts of stuff. And depending on what your background is, you may do all of them. That's my background. I work in all of operations. But it was really fascinating for me to get this diagnosis because I have a, I have a problem. I need a solution. So I immediately went out to the National Library of Medicine and started reading case studies. And then I started uh, watching, I actually watched the video of the two types of surgery that I had. So I went back to, um, to when I met with the surgeon, he was like, do you have a background in medicine? And I was like, no, 
my dad, my granddad. And it turns out he knew my dad, which was really kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But I became a part of the, the treatment plan instead of having it just pushed on me, which get, put me in a position of a lot of control because I was able to ask questions and able to get information that gave me a really good um, comfort level that I was with the right doctor and he had the right plan. And I was in really, really good hands with not only my neurosurgeon, but my neuro ophthalmologist. So um, I was probably in a different position than a lot of people where things were just coming at, at them. But um, the, the funniest thing, and everybody was laughing because while I'm getting ready to go into surgery, you know, you're in pre-op, you've been in there and you're sitting and waiting. No, not me. I have one of my planners and I'm writing out questions. I'm like, I got questions. The doctor comes in. He's like, do you have any questions? And I looked at him like, do you not know me? So I asked him what type of procedure he was going to do. I was like, you're doing an orbital osteotomy. Do you do a one piece or a two piece technique? Now, everybody in the room was like, where did she come up with this question? Mm -hmm. Well, I had watched the surgery and I had found out there's different kinds. So the surgeon, rather than just saying, you know what, let's get some anesthesia into this woman so we can keep moving. Do you know, he actually took the time to explain to me what technique he used and why. And, you know, it was, it was really something. So I think if I had to give advice for somebody who's going through something like this, maybe you don't have the, the background that I have because I spend all my free time watching actual surgeries out of the UK because they show stuff, they don't show stuff here. But you know, ask questions, talk to people who've been through it before you. There's lots of support groups out there, including really good ones on, um, on Facebook. So I knew what to bring with me to the hospital, those kind of things. But make yourself part of the journey so things are not just happening to you. And I think that gives, it gave me a real sense of I'm, I'm in more control of the outcome than I would if somebody was just pushing information and I was supposed to go, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a lot to process. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like you're completely out of control, that's a total different way you have to process versus um, if you feel like you have a little bit of control over your destiny. So, so you know, kind of to summarize it, what I heard you say is like, I, I loved how you said, be part of the journey. And so you, what I, as you were telling your story, really you informed yourself so that you weren't, so that you were able to go in, ask the questions that you desired to be answered. That way it kind of puts you at ease um, throughout the entire process. And you, and it gave you the ability to navigate your own, your own healing, your own journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting for some reason, we, as people, we go in and, and just basically are told what to do instead of asking questions. And sometimes we ask questions and we're like, you don't need to know that. It's like, well, yeah, I do. Cause not only is this my body, but I'm paying the copay on this. So yes, <laughs> I'm very much involved with this. But if you were looking at a different scenario, let's say it's about your business. 
if there was something going on that was impacting your business, you wouldn't just sit there and go, oh, okay. You'd be like, okay, I need to ask questions. I need to get information. I need to ask somebody who's maybe been through this, somebody who maybe can mentor me. So we have to, if you're a business owner, take the, that same type of behaviors that you would use with your business as you would with yourself personally. And if you are a person who's watching this, who isn't a business owner, then put yourself in the position of what if this was a family member, what would you do? Because we tend to take a much more proactive stance when it's a family member than we do when it's ours, with it's, you know, when it's us. So I would say, you know, take a step back. Um, but even more so before all of that happens, take a breath. Because when you get a diagnosis of something, regardless of what it is, it could be hammer toes. I mean, whatever it may be, <laughs> take a breath so you can kind of process what that means. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say is don't allow what other people think, um, what, how you should be reacting. Don't let that imprint on you because there are some people who can't handle it so their way is to kind of step back and act like no big deal, nothing's wrong. And they expect you to support them in that, that behavior. So that means that those of us who are having a bad day won't have a bad day because somebody told them, well, you should be grateful that it's not X, yeah. especially if you have one of those invisible chronic illnesses. Because people believe if they can't see it, then you're not experiencing anything. So don't let anybody minimize what's going on with you. And don't minimize it yourself to make other people comfortable. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. And you know, even in that, as you were saying, like other people will always interject their opinions, their thoughts, their emotions on you. And it's up to you to navigate. And I, I, I'm, I'm right in the process of writing. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is like, you know, everyone, everyone will always share their opinions, their beliefs, but you don't have to own that. That that's up to them to own. And no one is no, no one is more impacted during that season than you are. And I think that, you know, and yes, our inner circle is impacted by a diagnosis. They're impacted in, in other ways, but you have to remember to manage your own emotions, your own feelings and allow them to manage theirs. Because what I find yeah. like when there's been a diagnosis, like how many times did you have to console somebody else through your diagnosis? You, you know, because people get so, so emotional behind something that's happening to you and then you find yourself like it's okay you know right? but in reality it's like well darn I'm the one going you know going through why am I consoling this there's other something person? wrong with this dynamic right? right yeah isn't that what we do as humans if we're not careful you know we allow other people you know other people's ish to come into our season into our situation and it can definitely shift how we manage and navigate through that season of change. 1,000%, 1,000%. And you know, it's, it's the, um, 
the kind of thing, you know, they, there's a whole story about we come into this world alone and we go out of this world alone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the rest of the time is with, you know, interpersonal relationships and on and on. But the thing about it is a diagnosis, a serious diagnosis um, is something that you really, for the most part, have to deal with alone. You may get support. But all of the things that happen, visible and invisible, is stuff that you're dealing with first. Not the doctors, not your family, not your friends, not the people down the street who heard about something, they wanted to come by and see if you needed anything, which translates to, I came to, to see if you're gonna spill the tea. So, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that really, we have to, to deal with it and then reach out for support and, um, and define what that means to us. For some people, it means leave me alone and let me process this. Other people are like, I need you in a ball on the floor next to me, a hot mess. So we have to de determine what that, what that looks like. I deal with everything with humor. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just my way. And I've had people say to me, you're not really um, dealing with this, are you? And I'm like, I'm completely dealing with it. I just think that it's funny. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why do you think brain tumors are funny? And I was like, well, let's see. You know, they hang out. You don't know they're existing for 10 years. And then all of a sudden they make themselves known and you have to deal with it. And so what comes after that? Well, I have a nine inch scar. My head was shaved. Uh, I had a black eye. And uh, I have a dent in my head along with 12 screws and six plates. So if I don't think that's funny, because at this point, I'm like ready for Terminator 6, that, you know, you don't have to do any makeup or anything. Just let me be who I am and I'm ready to go. Not a problem. But I have to tell you, Angela, the funniest story, and this, this one was, this is a story for stories. I was um, probably two weeks out of surgery. And I have to go have my follow-up meeting in office with the neurosurgeon. Mm -hmm. So one of my friends came over and God bless her, she washed my hair because I cannot tell you the, 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 how somebody must feel about you to come over and wash your hair after brain surgery. I mean, just wow. So I have my hair back in braids and I tried to you know, have the front out with a little bit of wave trying to you know, pretend like I'm human, but I have this big, huge scar and my head is shaved. My eye is still black and on and on. You've got all the stitches. So we're walking into the building where the doctor's are. And there's this older woman who's coming out and she looked at me like, <laughs> you know, all she did was set it up for me to slam dunk this basketball. I looked at her and I, I just the straightest face said, car fight. <laughs> And this woman was like, oh my God. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine. I mean, this stuff is all healed. It's fine. He should be getting out of the, the hospital soon though, because you don't tell me I'm fat. <laughs> and then I turned around and walked in the building and my boyfriend had been ahead of me. He walked real fast into the building, not to get away from me, but he had busted out laughing. I went in the lobby of this building. He was doubled over cracking up yes. he was like did you really terrorize that old woman I was like she shouldn't have been staring at me that is so you know here 
here I look in the mirror in the morning and I'm like, this is, I'm a monster. I'm going to scare little children and on and on. But um, I decided I was going to have fun with it. I was going to have fun with it that day. I love it. You know, and I, I think that in those times you have to make a decision. I mean, it's fine to cry, but I think sometimes you have to find the humor in it just to lift your spirits. You know, I remember after my, after I started going through chemotherapy, I lost all of my hair and I took this one picture and I literally looked like Sunny from iRobot. Like it was the funniest picture that I had ever taken. And I know that reference. Okay. I know that reference. Okay. Awesome. But it's just like, you know, and I, I often share like, but the difference between me really looking like this little kid, like a St. Jude's child or like this mm -hmm. robot was like literally painting on my eyebrows every single morning. I didn't, I chose not to wear a wig. Thank God for Black Panther. And I put on these big things and I literally went out and conquered the world every single day. And I felt empowered. I felt strong. And so it's, it's so small tweaks. It's, you know, whether it's using humor, whether it's painting on your eyebrows, whatever it is, putting on those earrings, but it's just being intentional about your day, just starting your day off, you know, whatever makes your heart smile, whatever's going to allow you to be at your best to really show up in those seasons of your life and to keep moving forward. So I want to, I want to tap back into you and I, I don't want to go into the business itself, but I just really wanted to talk about like, how did you find this space to birth something new during this crazy season of your life? I was really, really scared for a long time that I was going to have neurological deficits from surgery and then from radiation um, that was going to impact my ability to run my business with my business partner. But also um, I was lucky because I thought I was gonna lose my, my sight in my right eye. I mean, both my doctors did. Somehow I missed that, <laughs> I missed that part. But I came out of, of surgery with more sight than I had, you know, like I had all my sight. It ended up, um, I lost my peripheral vision again when the, the tumor started growing back and then it displaced my pituitary gland. But um, I was just like, I have to have something that makes me kind of feel like me. And I wasn't allowed to work because, you know, I couldn't drive. I really couldn't even stand up long enough to make a meal. I had to have someone in the bathroom when I took showers up to a certain point, they could be in the house. But, you know, I literally, for all intents and purposes, couldn't take care of myself to a certain extent. So I needed to have something that was going to make me feel like me. Then after radiation, when um, uh, found out that, you know, a lot of things that I'd had problems with before had cleared up, I still was worried about um, you know, the neurological deficits. I spent a lot of time working in my planners, putting stickers and stuff, because I felt like the creative side was, was coming back, but I still was kind of worried about the analytical side until somebody called me with an oh shit moment. And I, girl, I was back. I was just as in and I was like, you know what? First of all, I need to give myself a little bit of grace 
because I went through a lot. But my whole thing is you just keep plugging along. You know, when you're, when I was a uh, classically trained ballerina, so break a toe, suck it up. You got a performance. So you'd be working, dancing on broken toes and pulled muscles and torn this and whatever, whatever. So I, I grew up with the, you know what, you just need to keep moving forward. So that's what I was doing. But when, when I got a call about something that, that really was in my sweet spot, and I was right on it. Like I didn't miss a step. That's when I knew that everything was gonna be okay. Do I have memory problems? Sometimes, sometimes I do. And sometimes I have to tell people, can you repeat that? Cause I don't remember what you said. So I write down things a lot. But when I got to July, I said, it is time for this thing to be birthed. It is time because I can either spend all my time working with these oh shit moments, or I can work with people to be better prepared so they don't either happen at all or happen uh, on fewer, in fewer instances. So I was like, this needs to happen. This story needs to be told. Oh my goodness. So before we continue, I want to share a special offer with you. If you need help taking action on achieving your goals, can I invite you to enroll in our Gang Goal Clarity course? It is a self-paced online course. You will find it on conquerandcultivate.com. Enter the promo code SPARED to receive 50% off the normal enrollment fee. Now back to our episode. So it was like, you know what? I want to make sure that in case something happens, they're going to be prepared. But even if it doesn't, their company's going to be ready for whatever gets thrown at it. So planning for the what if is really what I do. And it can be something mundane to something very, very serious. And it was important to me to start this business to, to, to help companies um, get through this, be better prepared. Yeah, I love that. So, so let's talk a little bit about just what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned over this time? So you think about a lady or, or a business owner that might be listening, that might be going through a really tough season of his or her life. What is it that you would share with them as far as like the biz- biggest lesson that you learned and how can you apply that to a tough season? That you are braver than you think you are. And if you went out and started a business, that's pretty brave. Especially if you did it where you quit a job, not where you got fired and you were like, I need to start a business because I got to pay my rent. But if you, if you quit a job and started a business, you are brave. If you got fired from a job and you decided to start a business instead of going to work for somebody else, you are brave. If you get up in the morning and manage to get out of bed and get downstairs to get a cup of coffee, you are brave. There are so many, so many examples I could give of bravery. Um, if you had something terrible happen in your life and you managed to, to get through it, you're brave. So people need to understand that a lot of times they are a lot braver than they thought. You just have to dig down maybe a little bit deeper than, than other people do. But, but if you don't have a shovel, 
to dig that deeper hole, then find somebody who you know and trust and tell them, I can't dig this hole. I need you to help me dig this hole so I can find a different level of bravery. Mm-hmm. And asking for help is brave. That's good. That's really good. And you think about, we oftentimes when we think about bravery, we think about it from a hero perspective. You, you think about the firemen, the people that are running into something, you know, or someone is you're saving another life. And that like the average person is brave. You know, we, mm-hmm. we take these brave leaps every single day. And so for you to break it down that way, um, that's definitely something that I would hope that they would pull from this conversation is just what is bravery to you? And it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. this grandiose position or uh, title that you hold, but it, it's just that action that's going to move you forward closer and closer to either who you want to become or birthing whatever you want to birth. Yeah. But I, I love that illustration. You know, and I have to say, because, you know, the whole thing about what I said about asking for help is brave. That is something that I had to learn how to do because I'm used to being the person there to do the heavy lifts, not because people can't do the heavy lifts, but I, I don't like to see people who are in um, distress or whatever. I, I, I will go and I will help. But I remember there was one day, so I had proton beam radiation. And when you have brain radiation, they, they create this mask and they clamp you to a table and you have to be on the table while they position you and everything. And then you have to be on the table while they do the radiation treatments. And I had different areas that had to be treated, but you're, you're literally clamped down. Like you cannot move. Like if there was a fire and they forgot about you, there's no getting up from this thing there. You're just going to be like, well, sugar nuts, this is not good. And I don't normally have claustrophobia. You know, I just kind of like send myself out to whatever, you know, to the Maldives, which I have never been to and looked at the pricing and I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but that's where I could go mentally. And I started getting claustrophobic. And um, I was like, come on, just breathe. You can get through this. You can get through this and on and on. And they, they finally came, they unclamped me and I just broke down into tears, like full body rack. And I don't think it was just a claustrophobia. I think just that day, everything that happened that I had been able to, to, to deal with and handle and on and on, it all like came just crashing in. And one of the women who was one of the heads of the department happened to be working in the room that day. And I remember this woman just holding on to me. She got me tissues and she just gave me this big hug. And she's like, okay, keep letting it out, keep letting it out, letting it out. And that was like, it worked for me because all the people I cared about didn't get to see it, like, because it would have really distressed them. But it was almost like that was the point I reached out and I was like, I need somebody to hold me up right now because I've been holding me up and I've been holding everybody up. And that was really brave for somebody who's used to being the one to hold everybody up and hold it together and even be funny to allow myself 
to, to feel all those emotions and actually break down and say, I need somebody to help me get through the next 10, 15 minutes is, is something that I think is one of the bravest things that I did because it was like the only time through all of this. No, that's not true. I could tell you a funny story, but, but, um, it was one of the, the time post-surgery that I really, really broke down to that extent. There were other times, you know, looking in the mirror where I was like, oh, I'm a monster. I'm going to be stuck in my house because little kids are going to scream and cry when they see me. You know, I had a couple of those days. But the funniest story was um, when I broke down and cried, it was after I got the diagnosis and my boyfriend was at the house and I told him, I was like, um, I have two brain tumors. He's like, oh my God. So I started to cry and he's like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I have a hair appointment on Thursday and I don't know if I should go or not because it's really expensive to get my hair straightened and colored. And I don't know if they're going to shave it. So I don't know if I should cancel my appointment or not. Now, mind you, this is Tuesday. <laughs> my appointment's on Thursday. And I'm upset about whether or not I should cancel my hair appointment so that was like my breakdown mode. It's not, hey, you have two brain tumors. It's like, what am I going to do? Should I cancel my appointment or not? I did go because I was like, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to go in. If they're going to shave it, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look good before they shave it. I'm just telling you. Yeah, you like, I'm about to look good. So there's a couple of things that I just kind of want to highlight and bring out what you said. Um, so bravery, going back to that word. And as you were talking, you know, I think about just the women that I support often, we take on so much. And, you know, even through my own diagnosis, I was, I had to figure out how to get to this space to say, this is what I need from you. Because so often we're the ones that's constantly um, doing the giving, you know, we're constantly taking care of people. We're constantly making sure that everybody else is okay. And we're not thinking about ourselves. And so if, if there's a woman out there, you might be concerned about, you know, asking people to, for help or just saying, Hey, I just need a moment to be vulnerable. You take that moment, be brave, take that moment for yourself, because first of all, you need it. Uh, second of all, you deserve it. And I think that so many of us, to your point, Diana, we wait until it all comes crashing down on us before we release. And if we can just get to that point to where we are being transparent and sharing and having people in our lives that we can trust and be open with, then I think that we would live a much happier, healthier life. Um, and, and not saying it would be free of or absence of any type of hurt or pain, but I just think that we wouldn't have so much internal chaos because we would be able to share and kind of lift each other up as we share. And so these yeah, have been yeah. some really dynamic like nuggets that I, I could talk to you for hours, right? But I know. <laughs> Stay tuned for part 15 of this conversation. <laughs> I know. Diana, thank you so much for being on the Spirit Change Podcast. I truly appreciated the conversation and even the transparency in the conversation. Before we leave, let the audience know, where can they find you? So, um, like I'm everywhere. 
Actually, I'm not, but that just sounds really cool to say, right? Yeah. Um, really, if you go to um, Linktree and you, you look for Tripod CC LLC, so Tripod, T-R-I-P-O-D, C like Charlie, C like Charlie, LLC. Awesome. That has all of my information in it, all of my social media, LinkedIn, um, my YouTube, which I'm getting back to. I had to take a pause on that between the pandemic and brain tumors. I have to get back Just to it. a little it, busy. So. Just a little busy. Yeah, a little busy, a little busy. But that's the easiest way to find me. And um, I will just say this. First of all, thank you so much because you know I adore you. I'm a huge fan of yours. But the, the fact that you've given me another opportunity to tell my story is really something that means a lot because one of the things that I said after this, and then I found out that somebody famous had said it, and I was like, dang, this is why you got trademark stuff. But my story may be somebody else's roadmap for survival. So the fact that you've given me that opportunity, um, because for some reason, you can say breast cancer and people are like, oh yeah, but things are really, really, um, the, the, the uh, technology's advanced, the medicines have advanced, people are living longer even with the diagnosis, so whatever. But you hear brain tumors and that's not as well known. There's not a lot of information. So people deal with between um, benign and not, not benign but what they hear is cancer, not cancer. So if they don't hear cancer, then like, oh, you're fine. It's like, that's not how this works, but okay. But for people like you and I to share our stories, for people who are maybe going through the same thing we are, or maybe it's something similar and it doesn't have to be medical. It could be anything. It could be them being a caregiver. All I can say to you is you're not alone. There are people out there that you may not even personally know, but maybe somebody from a support group, but reach out. You don't have to do this alone and you don't even have to do it with people you currently know, but you never know who you're going to meet on this journey. And later on, how your story, these people's story could be somebody else's roadmap for survival. So let's keep telling these stories. Love it, man. That is a great way to end. Thank you so much. I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the Spare Change Podcast. Be sure to stay connected. And hey, if you have not subscribed to our channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now. You can follow me on social media or visit my website at AngelaRGarman.com.